everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and happy Lent. We are in the season, these 40 days before Easter, not counting Sunday, where we are invited into a time of reflection and introspection. I hope this season is already off to a uh, intentional time for you where you are drawing closer to God and to one another. Here at Bothell, we are uh, following the curriculum from uh, the great organization, A Sanctified Art, as we look at the ways we uh, again and again turn away from God and how God again and again invites us in, reminds us of our belovedness is faithful. Today we draw from Mark 1, uh, which is uh, before the launch of Jesus' ministry, and we look at his time in the wilderness, navigating the temptations that he faced, and how God was faithful to him, and present for him, and how God would be present for us. Check out this first sermon. You know, there's a story about a wise old Middle Eastern mystic that goes something like this. He, he was ending uh, his life. He was getting near to the end of his life. He was old in age, and he wanted to pass on to his students uh, the wisdom that he had gained, the knowledge that he had gained throughout his life. And so he said, I was a revolutionary when I was young, and my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. Then as I got older... As I approached middle age and realized that my life was halfway through without changing a single soul, I changed my prayer to say, Lord, give me the grace to change all those who come into contact with me, like my friends and my family. I will be satisfied with just that. Well, now that I'm an old man and my days are numbered, I've begun to see how foolish I have been my one prayer is now, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. Lord, give me the grace to change myself. Church, that's the work that we're going to do this Lent season, this, this time of reflection and introspection, the, the hard work of looking inward on our journeys as we journey with God. Lent being these 40 days uh, before Easter, not counting Sundays, that we spend reflecting. We remember Jesus in the wilderness. We remember his ministry that would come leading to the cross and to the resurrection. We remember his fasting and those times when temptation was around him. We remember how he was in the community and how he drew near to God. And we use this time for us to draw closer to God and to one another as we reflect on our journeys. And this year we chose the theme again and again. It's based on the curriculum from a sanctified art. And we chose it for a couple reasons. Uh, first, we're, we're reminded again and again that suffering and brokenness find us. We doubt again. We lament again. We get frustrated again. We mess up again but we also proclaim again and again that God is with us, that God does show up. And today we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time in the gospel according to Mark. We're spend just a few moments uh, before Jesus begins his ministry. Now I can remember when uh, I first decided that I was going to be an English major. I was uh, in 11th grade, Mrs. Smith's American Literature class. And I'd always loved to read growing up, but this is the class where I learned how to write. 
And it's one of our first assignments of the, of the whole school year. It was, it was to create a setting, to create an environment for a character that we would develop later. And I had it all mapped out in my head. It'd be an urban world. There would be buildings and, and, and parks and playgrounds. It would be sometime in the future with, with different zoning and different rules and, and different strategic plans for the developers. And I thought that I had done such a great job until I got my assignment back the next week with big red scribbles across the top that said, uh, come see me during study hall. So I go to the classroom the next day. I I get to the class. Uh, She says, have a seat. She says, close your eyes. Tell me about your city. So I described it again. I was like, well, I just told you, but it's, it's uh, urban. There are buildings and parks and playgrounds. It's in the future. And she goes, what color do you see? Sorry, what? What color do you see? Gray? She said, just one kind of gray? I said, well, no, many kinds of gray. And I went on to describe them, and she's like, yeah, tell me more about that. For the whole rest of study hall, Mrs. Smith was asking me about the smells and the sounds, the, the brightness, the, the, the temperature. And by the time I turned in my assignment again, uh, what was supposed to be like two or three pages was a 30-page uh, description of this world that we had built together. And she said, don't just tell us, show us the world with your words. Well, in our text, Mark decides to take the tell us method of storytelling. It's short, six very brief verses, concise verses, and he uses only these six verses to describe very big moments in Jesus' life. Baptism, temptation, the, the beginning of his ministry. And while Matthew and Luke spend considerable time and energy in going through all the details and descriptions, Mark simply gives us the facts. And so, so, so what does Mark tell us? It's, it's pretty straightforward. Jesus is baptized by John in the water, or Jordan. John was already preaching when he was baptized. When Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens are ripped open, the the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, and a voice declares, you are my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Then the Spirit drives him into the wilderness for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan. He is with the wild beasts, and angels wait on him. That's it. Boom, 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 boom. Facts, one after the other. And, And so in Mark... We don't actually know how Satan tempts Jesus. We also don't actually know whether Jesus overcomes the temptations. At least our text this morning doesn't explicitly tell us whether or not Jesus overcame the temptations. So for Mark, at this moment, at the start of Jesus' ministry, the outcome of the temptations don't really matter. It could have been one temptation, many temptations, physical, mental, emotional temptations. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is that through the temptation, the Spirit was with Jesus. That Jesus went into the wilderness with the promise of the presence of God. That's what matters in our text. 
This is how Caroline Lewis, a theologian in Minnesota, she puts it. She says, Jesus goes into the wilderness not with the conviction of success, but only because he knows that God has chosen to rip to shreds any boundary, any structure, any doctrine that would separate him from God. Jesus enters the wilderness only with the promise of God's presence, not with fighting skills, not with self-help strategies, not with techniques for passing the test, but only his knowledge because of God's words to him that God will be there. You see, it doesn't matter how Satan tempted Jesus. If we knew our temptation might be to use those as examples of things that we are to overcome on our journey, right? To create a list of temptations that, that tempted Jesus and that we are now uh, expected to and required to resist and deny. No, instead, the author of Mark challenges us that there's even a greater temptation than food or power or control. To Mark, the greatest temptation is to think that God is not present. That's our greatest temptation. And we fall into that often, don't we? I just lost my job. Where is God? My adult son is going through addictions. Where is God? I'm young. I've taken care of my body and myself all these years, and I just got the report that this lump is cancer. Where is God? My spouse is dying. I feel alone. Where is God? And these are just some of the emails and calls that I've gotten this past week alone. What, what about in our communities? What about in our world, Ukraine, Yemen, Somalia? What about climate change? Where is God? Remember, the, the promise is not that we will not experience challenges or struggles or temptations throughout our lives. The promise is that the same God who calls you child, who calls you beloved, the same God who says you are the one with whom I am pleased, that God will be with you through the wilderness, through it all. That's the promise. You know, some of you know that uh, a few weeks ago, my family and I, we were in Florida. We were uh, there in Jacksonville for my brother's wedding. We spent some extended time in Disney World, which meant we were more tired when we got home than when we were there. But when we've gone home, I've been on this Disney movie kick. Anyone remember the movie Toy Story? Yeah. Today, it's a uh, four-film franchise that follows the lives of toys that come to life. But Toy Story 1, way back in 1995, it's set at Andy's house. There's Woody, this cowboy doll that's Andy's favorite toy. Woody leads the community until Andy receives a Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger action figure that quickly replaces Woody as Andy's new favorite toy. And when Woody gets jealous, he, he, he comes up with this plan to get rid of Buzz, and they both become lost, and the rest of the movie is their journey on how they find their way back to Andy before the family moves to a new house. 
And there's this one scene that I, that I love. It's, it's towards the end where uh, Woody and Buzz are, are trying to get back and they're trying to navigate these obstacles. And, and Buzz, who has all of these gadgets and gizmos, he tries with all of his might to solve all the issues that do arise. Right, he uses this uh, communication device on his wrist that he flips open. It's connected to nothing and no one, but he tries to call people. Or he has, he has those wings that shoot out from behind him that, that can't actually help him fly. Uh, Woody says it's uh, falling with style. And when Buzz realizes that he can't do it, that he can't get him and Woody back home, Buzz is so defeated he recognizes his own limitations, and it's Woody, his rival and his new friend, who tells him to look at the bottom of his boot. We see Andy written in permanent marker on the bottom of his foot, and Woody reminds Buzz to remember that Buzz is not Andy's favorite because of all the cool things that he thinks he can do. He's Andy's favorite because he's Andy's. I wonder if we've lost sight of that truth. It's not anything we can do or say or accomplish, we are beloved with whom God is pleased. It's not that we can go through 40 days of Lent trying to give things up and succeeding on these arbitrary goals that we might have set for ourselves. You are God's child, God's beloved. Even in those times when we don't recognize God's presence, even in those times when we push God, away. God, I can do this. I got this. This is my problem. I don't need you. Even then, you are God's child. You are beloved. You are the one with whom God is pleased. As we journey through Lent together, as we get to do this in community together, I hope that you won't fill your Lent uh, devotions or reflections with things to just do, things that are intended to build yourself up or, or give you uh, that boost of confidence or to, to claim that because you are able to accomplish these things or do these things that you are more special or more loved by God. I hope that you'll fill your time simply being and then finding those practices that remind you of your worth, your belovedness, that you truly are a child of God, that God continues to meet us again and again. God continues to affirm us again and again. God reminds each of us again and again that we are God's beloved. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together, for an opportunity to be gathered in worship online and in person, creating the belovedness in which you call each of us individually and that you call us as a community. God, we pray that we might recognize that our worth is not in anything we can do, but in you. 
And so would you journey with us as you have done from the beginning of time, as you will continue to do, will you journey with us that our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears will be open to your presence and that we would journey with you as we move towards the cross and to your victory over death. It is in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our first sermon in this series again and again. Uh, we are inviting folks uh, this week uh, to check in on someone that you know uh, who is struggling. Um, the idea that as God is present for us in our journeys, um, perhaps we are invited to be God's presence for our neighbors and for our community. And so we're inviting you to show up to be the presence of God for those around you, especially for anybody you might know to be struggling. Tune in again next week as we continue the series again and again. In the meantime, have a wonderful, wonderful week. See you then.